Welcome to Worker Movement, a podcast dedicated to the working class, a podcast dedicated to raising class consciousness. This podcast is for you, for us, for the worker. There's a bunch of propaganda circulating about the U.S. Postal Service, and a lot of it's just election messaging. On today's episode, we're going to discuss the Postal Service, why it needs to exist, and the problems relating to it, both real and imaginary. So we're going to start by asking the basic question of why does the U.S. Postal Service need to exist and why is it a societal good? So let's start with the USPS and not from the fact that it delivers mails, but the fact that it's a giant um, organizer of addresses and lists and routes. And so the USPS spends a lot of time in the background documenting mail recipients and addresses. So what that really means is that you have an address in front of your house. The USPS knows where you're at, and then it can assign to you, you know, a location that it can deliver mail to, and it can sell that data or give that data to anybody that wants to jump into what's called the GIS system. And it's set up uh, to give you access to sort of the routes that needed for private delivery. Uh, and everything about this system is non-trivial because it is a very hard problem to know where everybody is and then have sort of a, a centralized database everybody can access. And then anybody from the UPS and FedEx uh, and now Amazon's private services uses GIS in order to deliver mail, Any, anything, newspapers, you know, um, people that come drop flyers off at your house, all of, all of those things that are just what you just take for granted as being delivered to your house, use the USPS's GIS system. And there's a number of sort of other corollary concepts to this, like street namings and uh, house assignments and how long streets should be to optimize sort of mail delivery. Why is a block uh, in a neighborhood, you know, 30 houses and not 32 houses? Uh, a lot of these artifacts are predicated on sort of efficiency of commerce. And a lot of this is driven by the Postal Service because they were tasked constitutionally with delivering letters. There wasn't really a concept of packages. Nobody envisioned putting things in a box and shipping them. If it did happen, it was only accessible to a very few rich people, I guess. So the, the U.S. Postal Service was a, a way to basically exchange information originally. And now with package delivery, it becomes a little bit more of a, a non-trivial problem in delivering goods to basically anybody in the U.S. Uh, so we have this uh, kind of mathematical problem called the traveling salesman problem, which uh, basically states that if I have 10 packages and I want to deliver these 10 packages to 10 cities, what's the optimal solution? In what order should I deliver these packages to each city that is some distance apart from each other? So let's say there's these 10 cities. Uh, in order to calculate or solve this problem, you need to compute all the possible permutations. So from city A to city B, is 10 miles from city a to city c is 12 miles from city b to city c is 19 miles and so that the combination of each distance from each city informs what the optimal route is in computer science there isn't a clever solution to this it's a very expensive problem it's considered np hard which is a class of problems which means that it's not quick to solve and it's not quick to verify a solution so as the number of cities gets larger and the number of package delivery gets larger, this problem becomes basically unsolvable. It becomes not possible to compute the answer in a reasonable amount of time. So part of what the USPS does is they create subrouting or hubs to solve this problem by making the problem space smaller. So this is kind of the concept behind zip codes. And the Postal Service has input into 
their delivery mechanisms and their distribution hubs so that if you're sending something from, let's say, LA to New York, you send it from one hub to another, and then at each hub, the hub is optimized to serve a smaller, smaller and smaller area so that it's efficient. Solving the problem optimally from sending it from you know, some random address in Bronx to some other random address in San Bernardino County uh, isn't a problem that's solvable, and the U.S. Postal Service doesn't attempt to solve it. But they have figured out a system that is sort of optimal and efficient. Yeah, and you may notice this as your um, post person comes at the same time every day or within the same time period every day because they basically have a route that's set in stone. And that is that whole subsection of, of this problem that's controllable is the actual known route. And so, again, instead of trying to solve each individual package delivery, they have known routes, and that's because mail volume has, uh, and even package volume now, has stayed relatively constant enough that they can keep those same routes and, and, and have the, the hubs, you know, grow as they need and sort as they need. And, and you'll see this um, everywhere from uh, the localized level, which is an individual person in the route, to the state level, in which you have distribution centers, and then the national level, in which you have major cities. And if you ever take a look at that little red mark on your letter, you can see where the original uh, posted sorting area was. And you can begin to track this around the country. It's actually a pretty interesting engineering problem if you think about all the efficiencies and transportation that are required. In fact, it's what we like, you know, to call in basic operations, supply chain management. And so you're going to you're going to see that they had to optimize how to get mail out because that was what the constitution requirement is. And another thing that this uh, system puts forth is that everybody has access to the mail. Every single person, regardless of where you live, whether you're rural or in the city, is served by the U.S. Postal Service. And this is a, a very important part of the mandate. The Postal Service delivers to the last mile. They don't deliver to a hub and then stop. They deliver to the hub and then they deliver to each individual residency or business. Yeah, this is one of the only institutions beyond maybe the library that you have locally. Um, and again, remember, library is locally controlled and the USPS is federally controlled, in which every individual has the same standard of mail delivery. Now, it may take longer depending on where you live, but you still get your mail in there. And it's still expected that if you have priority mail, you're going to get your priority mail in three to five days or whatever it happens to be. But again, it's everybody's on the same playing field. So if you live in rural you know, Georgia, you get the same post stamp as you if you lived in L.A. and you're doing an L.A. to L.A. delivery versus L.A. to Georgia delivery, the same exact cost, which is different than a private entity, which is going to charge you per mile because their cost model says, and again, this is for profit, that it costs more to deliver from L.A. to Georgia than it is from L.A. to L.A. So you see that a lot in um, package estimations or package uh, shipment like in, in non, let's say, Amazon world in which you have distances they have to travel. The important part to take away here, and this is one of the key features of the USPS, is everybody is the same. And there is no class difference in here. And when you get to things like FedEx and UPS, there will become a class separation because those that can afford to go overnight or afford to ship 5,000 miles can afford to ship it, and those that cannot get left behind. In the past couple of years, the, uh, the Postal Service has seen a little bit of a change in their business model. We talked a little bit about how packages are increasing, uh, but at the same time, the delivery of letters, or what's called first-class mail, has steadily declined uh, about 2 billion pieces per year since 2011. So in 2019, which is kind of the latest data set, uh, 54.9 billion letters were delivered. 
and in 2011 that number was about 20 billion higher. So there's been a there's been a decline in letter delivery. Most of this is due to the internet. People don't feel the need to handwrite letters and mail them. Uh, you can send an email. You can send a text. Technology has basically caused the U.S. Postal Service to deliver 20 billion less letters. So at the same time that mail is decreasing, package volumes increase. So it's increased from 3.3 billion in 2011 to roughly 6.2 billion in 2019. So it's doubling the amount of packages, but it's also now decreasing the number of, of letters. And why is this important? Well, it's important because the way that the technology handles these two uh, different things, like the different types of mail, uh, changes. Before we jump into this, we have we have one more subsection of data that we need to talk about, which is the amount of volume associated with an election. And this is the key point to this, is there's been a lot of rhetoric going up about how the USPS is possibly dismantling the mail and slowing things down. And, and we're going to talk about it from two angles. One, which is just how would you do this in operations? So if, you, if you're in charge of the operations of the USPS, what would you do? And second, if you were going to try to meddle in the election and game theory-wise, would it be a good idea to do this and how would you do it? Right. So let's take a real quick look at what would happen if every eligible person in the USA, and as of 2016, there's 250 million people that could vote, actually voted by mail. This would represent in a single year less than half a percent of all the delivered mail. So 0.45% of all mail delivered. Now, that is a large volume and a large influx of volume, but if it's spread over multiple weeks, it's not actually that much additional mail that they have to handle. So the, the issue really comes down to, is the USPS actually trying to disrupt the election or is it trying to handle different volumes in a different way as it tries to retool itself for the future? So the USPS is not going to have a difficult problem delivering the ballots. Because again, and this is this is another key piece, it's not as if the ballots are going to other individual houses. The ballots are all going to go to one area in each city. So as long as they collect that mail, it's going to route to the same place. So again, it's not as if it's got to take Mike's mail from over on you know 32nd Street and deliver it to Johnny's mailbox over on 119th Street. That's not how it works. They all go to the same place for mail counting. So again, logistically, it's even easier to deliver ballot mail than it would be, you know, uh, individual mails going from one another. Ballot mail is generally not going from state to state. It's going maybe across zip codes that are neighboring each other. You know, the ballot's going, you know, maybe three miles away. It's like an intra-hub problem, not a cross-country problem. Which means those can all be hand-sorted and hand-delivered as they have to be, right? Because a lot of the insanity right now is whether or not the mail machines are being dismantled to disrupt the election. And local sorting machines mean someone can just stand there and it's a ballot and put it in the ballot bin because it, it's done in Gaylords. It's not like they have, you know, magical shoeboxes for each person. I mean, these are giant Gaylords for either in-state or in-city and zip code or out-of-state where it goes to another distribution center where it gets sorted to another state. So, again, logistically, it's just being sorted internally in a... Gaylords. And again, a town of 30,000 people, if 50% of those people are eligible to vote and 50,000 or 50% of those people actually vote, which is about right, you know, you're looking at like seven and a half thousand letters. It's not that much to sort. So for those uh, people listening that don't know what a Gaylord is, what is it? Uh, good point. It is a giant box, probably three by three by three, a giant cube. Uh, and you see them like the best example is watermelons in the summertime come in Gaylords or um, pumpkins in the uh, fall time. Uh, potatoes, you'll see them in the grocery store in Gaylords like that. 
The Galus is a giant bin that can handle a huge volume of mail. In fact, I bet all seven thousand you know ballots would fit in one Galar. So it's again not a lot of not a lot of material to have to sort. So with COVID, we've seen maybe a little bit of a another change in their business model, which is a greater reliance on package delivery. And by greater, I mean a an increase that the postal service is not really able to keep up with, and this is causing delays in delivery of packages. There are two basic ways to respond if we assume they have letter handling capacity, and for argument's sake, we're going to make this assumption. You can either delay packages and keep the letters on time, or you can delay packages and the letters together. From a purely logistical perspective, it's probably optimal to delay both at the same time because you want to ensure that shipments are made with full trucks rather than half trucks. Because if you're sending out half trucks, that means you're further behind and you're wasting kind of distribution ability. A lot of what people don't understand, this is where the media fails you, is is how hard it is to maintain um, uh, supply chain management, especially when you have things like COVID hitting, when you have unexpected uh, delays, unexpected downtimes, increased volumes, you have people calling in sick because they are sick, you have individuals who cannot work overtime because they're taking care of kids. You have a lot of things from just workforce itself to uh, illnesses that are, that are making things hard to deliver. At the same time, you have a space in which you're getting sort of pressure from the Congress in order to decrease your operational costs. So in 2006, Congress uh, passed the Postal Accountability and Enhancement Act in the lame duck session. Uh, which was a Republican Congress, and it passed on a voice vote in the House and unanimous consent in the Senate. And the act required the USPS to pay in advance for the health and retirement benefits of all of its employees for at least 50 years. I, I want to just point this out, that, that the Senate, which also had Democrats in it, passed it unanimous consent, so nobody objected. Not a single Democrat at that point in time, 2006, objected to the fact that they're going to force a government entity who has a constitutional requirement to deliver mail to pay 50 years in advance some arbitrarily defined amount of retirement for people that may or may not actually exist. People who aren't even born yet who want to retire in 50 years have to pay it. This is a complete insanity. I mean, no business would be able to survive from this, not a single business. And so they always say, the Republicans always say, Democrats always say, oh, we, we want to run the government like a business, but they lied to you. There's no way a business would run like this. What this was designed to do was cripple the post uh, office and phase it out over time as the cost became too high, the mail would be too much money, and then you'll see the prices of the mail go up, and then FedEx and US or UPS would look more desirable. This is the exact way that neoliberalism tries to fight a government program. They try to pass laws and make it harder and harder for the government to compete, not because the government's more efficient or less efficient, but because they're putting rules in place that only hurt the institution and not actually help the individual. Because now you're going to pay more for postage. Now your grandmother's going to get charged more money in order to send you cookies at Christmas time. Now you're going to end up paying a higher use tax when individuals who don't have access to the internet, who want to pay bills by mail, who want to send people postcards, who want to send Christmas cards to their family members, all the things that we that we hold dear as sort of cultural norms in the United States will be affected by the fact that the stamp is going to raise from 32 cents to $1.05 as they have to pay more and more money for retirement. Yeah, so we saw this play out a little bit in 2012 when the U.S. Postal Service defaulted on their debt to the Treasury. But like, who cares? Nothing happened, right? Yeah, I mean, it's a government agency. Why is it defaulting? And again, it's designed to be crippled and destroyed. 
And, and the USPS is a service. It is not a for-profit. So there's no reason for it to be profitable. In fact, I wouldn't care if we went $50 million a year in debt or $500 million a year in debt to run the USPS. It's a lot better than putting on another aircraft carrier to go bomb children in Yemen. Or then oversupply the military so you can send that equipment down using taxpayer money to fund the police so they can militarize them and shoot people in the back seven times um, while letting the fascists get away with murder. So just, I mean, to wrap all this up, what it means is that the USPS has been designed by the Democrats and Republicans to be insolvent. And what insolvency means for those that are uh, in the know is that at some point in time, they're going to be no longer to pay their bills because they're not going to have enough cash flow coming in. So one of the things that businesses require is free cash flow or cash on hand. And eventually the USPS will not have that. So you have to jack the rates up, which decrease volumes, or they're going to have to cut back services. Uh, right now, they're cutting back overtime, which is why you're seeing mail um, slow down. They're cutting back overtime because it's costing a lot more money in ops to run the USPS because of the nonsense bill that the Congress passed with Democratic support in 2006. So in 2008, when the Dems had a supermajority and they used it to pass Obamacare, why didn't they fix the Postal Service? It's almost like they don't care. So what are the Dems doing now to support the Postal Service? Well, they're largely just creating a circus about the disassembly of these letter sorting machines, which, as we kind of discussed, probably doesn't materially affect absentee voting or mail voting. But it's probably a good route politically to play to conjure up fear and frame the, the whole issue as not, oh, the Postal Service is bad, but your vote will not count. I mean, it's fear mongering right, at its basic core, right? I mean, this is what it comes down to, is it? is the idea that your vote does count. That's one, that, that electoralism does work. And two, because you participate, that there is some, some evil that's going to take place if you can't vote. You don't have to be fearful that your mail is not going to be delivered. It will be delivered on time. And your vote will count as long as local you know, post office will be vigilant. Because again, the national level does not have the ability to sort the mail because it's all staying local within the, its own buildings. Yeah, so this problem sort of kind of solves itself already by deferring to the local institution of the Postal Service. And that doesn't mean that shenanigans aren't going to happen, but the premise is that if somebody's going to cheat, it's going to be somebody locally. Yeah, because the only way that, that Trump can you know, cheat on the election and get pardoned is to do it at the federal level. And there's no control at the federal level unless they come out and just say blatantly, don't deliver any ballots, burn them in the box, shred them, send them to the wrong area. You know, don't accept any without a posted stamp, things like that. And maybe they'll do that. We're not we're not here to tell you that Trump is not going to do shady stuff because we we believe he is. But the underlying premise here is not uh, orange man bad. It's the Postal Service is an institution that should be preserved and nobody seems to give a shit. Nobody gives a shit because nobody understands how fucked the Postal Service is because they take it for granted because you've had it for, what, 612,000 years? I mean, the Postal Service has been around longer than the entire race that is human um, because it is an institution that has been loved from Europeans and that was put with inside of the colonies as it began to grow. The, the USPS is one of the fundamental institutions that defined early United States. I mean, it's so ingrained in U.S. history that they made a shitty Mel Gibson movie called The Patriot, in which he delivers mail on a horseback riding with cannons blowing around him because he has some letter he's got to deliver to somebody because it's it's part of the U.S. institutions that we've all grown to love. I mean, it is 
I mean, you talk about Christmas cards. You get a Christmas card in the mail. You get a birthday card in the mail. You get junk mail. Who gives a shit? It's junk mail. You get a you get your bill in the mail. But it's something that you know you count on. People walk out to the mailbox every day at the same time because they can count on the post office and they can count on the mail being delivered on time every day in wind and sleet and snow and earthquakes and riots and firestorms and tornadoes and sharknadoes and you know alien attacks because that's what the post office says it will do and that's what we expect it to do so in response to covid uh the postal service has taken various steps uh let's presume that they have good intentions so let's presume that they are making changes to better address the needs of the general populace which is an increase in package delivery let's say they're implementing this they're disassembling some machines to make room for other machines Again, we don't know that this is actually happening, but let's presume it is. The Dems have then called the Postmaster General before Congress and effectively instructed that no changes can be made to the Postal Service before the election. Isn't this going to destroy the perception of the Postal Service being able to deliver things in a timely manner? Right now, they, they are legitimately struggling with demand of package delivery. So if they can't make changes to more readily support delivering packages, they're sort of definitionally going to struggle to deliver packages just like they are currently. So isn't that a little bit of an insane kind of position to hold? I'm going to, I'm going to come from a, from a neoliberal corporatist point of view, because sometimes it helps to kind of give this mindset for people. If the board of directors came at you and told you how to run your company, guess what you would do? You get new board of directors. Because their job isn't to tell you how to run the company. It's, it's what's in the best interest of the U.S. Pop, of US people. For me, getting medicine on time is in the best interest of the people. Now, to say you're going to have an oversight board, that's a different thing. That's a completely different idea than to come in and just randomly say nonsense because you don't actually understand how it works. But having someone with a clipboard monitoring all the time to make sure that mail is not being screwed up is probably the right solution. Because guess what I would do in a basic ops mentality if my plant was on fire? And by plant being a fire, I mean we're making shit parts. I'm going to send some down to the clipboard and stopwatch and start looking at stuff and make sure that everything's being followed. All the procedures are being followed correctly. No one's messing around. The supply chain's done. Everything's done. Uh, and that's what I would do. Now, coming from another point of view, which is game theory point of view, the Dems are just posturing. They're just full of shit. They have no idea what they're doing. They don't know how to manage a country. They don't know how to do anything really, because they don't have to, because they're not held accountable, they're not told what to do. They just hear constituents complaining and they're, and they're fear-mongering and they're playing to that fear. Instead of coming out like mature adults and saying, listen, we're working together to understand the solution and make sure that we're all taken care of, et cetera, they're not doing that. They're just basically posturing. And, that, and that's basically you know, hurting the American people. It's hurting people who are in, generally afraid of what's going on. It's causing stress and anxiety. Right. And since it cause panic, that doesn't mean to be there. So what if the Dems are achieving their end objective and their end objective is to ruin the public institution and support the privatization of the Postal Service by deferring to private entities like DHL, FedEx, Amazon, all those other entities that really shouldn't exist because the U.S. Postal Service is already setting up distribution networks and delivering stuff. So what so what is the goal? you know, of, of them actually trying to defer, you know, to, to the private entity, entities. And this is a neoliberal idea in which, you know, we get rid of the public institution and give it out to private. I mean, this is actually the goal of corporate Democrats. You know, it's, it's to find a way to chip away at the, the government 
um, services in a way that's secret. It is like small little paper cuts, you know, death by a thousand cuts. This is what they're doing. They're slow shipping away. And so think of it as a game theory point of view is how, how do you destroy the institution? Well, get people to, you know, distrust the institution. Well, how do you do that? Well, then you, you start to build up, you know, storylines. Oh, the uh, post office doing this and that and this and that. Now there's two outcomes. The first outcome is the Dems win or something, and somehow Biden comes out and makes the post office some gleaming, beautiful thing. Or they throw it under the bus like they did the VA, in which they try to go through and say, oh, look how bad the VA is doing, look how, or look how bad the post office is doing, in which they're going to try to dismantle it or do some bullshit you know, oversight, in which they're going to go back through and redefine a bunch of stuff. And in the end, nothing happens because they're bureaucrats. They actually don't know how to run anything. So that's very likely what the Dems' uh, intent is here. Uh, they're wrapping all their fear mongering in this save the U.S. Postal Service fear tactic. They're saying your vote won't count. Uh, but at the same time, they're sort of overseeing the destruction of the institution, which is bad. And then you have this other sort of layer on top, which is Trump is absolutely doing shady stuff. He's probably directing people to sell the mail. So, like, that's happening. And it's happening at the same time. But the Dems have taken this position not of having mail delivered on time is important and the institution is important. They've purely taken the perspective of having voting ability is the number one thing and we don't care about anything else. And so they're, they're basically taking the wrong messaging. And the basic question is why aren't they competent? Shouldn't they know that they should value the institution? And I think the basic answer is they're achieving exactly what they want to achieve. They're achieving exactly what they want and, and they're gonna tear down the institution. At the same time though, what they're trying to do, and, and this is from a game theory point of view, from a very shitty candidacy, is trying to set you up to vote, not for Trump, but for Biden, for the just the idea that, that somebody would blatantly attack your right to vote. He's got to be the enemy. So they're just, what, they're, what Biden's trying to do is is a bunch of, uh, don't don't vote for Trump, vote for me. Instead of it being vote for me because I'll do this and this for you, it's basically Trump's a piece of shit, so vote for me because I'm not a piece of shit. <laughs> vote Biden. Or don't. It's really up to you. If we're talking about what you can actually do, obviously, besides voting for Joe Biden, our Lord and Savior, is to try and support the institution of the post office. And this can be done at the state level. So the, the, the U.S. Postal Service is a federal entity. A lot of sorting happens locally. A lot of this routing uh, engineering stuff happens locally. So you could potentially have a state create their own institution that serves as kind of the state's postal service. Uh, creating this sort of local autonomy is good. It still allows for central planning at the federal level. And uh, the U.S. Postal Service could use each state's postal service to still deliver mail. And each state could kind of do what they wanted, uh, make it more or less efficient, spend more or less money. Uh, but it could preserve the institution locally if that's something that is valued. So you should attempt to advocate for that because it's really the only way uh, to preserve the institution because the federal uh, concept is basically being killed by both parties. Yeah, and even at the state level, we have to be very careful when we talk about what the definition of this is because it's very easy for a shithole place to say, you know, we're instead of having your own public, we're going to go with a private entity like a bid, a bidding war, like we're going to let UPS bid or FedEx bid instead of having it infrastructure. What we're advocating for here is state or local employees, employees of the actual state who take care of this. It's not a privatization. It's not like we want 
UPS to come through and do contract work for it. It's not like we want waste management to come do, you know, your your trash pickup. We'd rather have local people doing it for you. And this is what's more most important is that in the construct that we discuss, any type of local you know ordinances or fights, it can never be through bids. It must always be through employment through that entity because we do not want the neoliberals to have any additional uh, firepower here. The other thing you could do is not treat your postal worker like a piece of shit because it's not their fault. And say thank you for the fact that they were essential workers and were basically deprived of their ability to stay home because they served mail and packages at a time when there was a pandemic going on. For future episodes and to learn more about the worker movement, join us at workermovement.com.